Hello, Lynn Pingle here, CEO of Mackey Company and your host for the Tuesday noon hour. We are live and broadcasting the Procurement Games podcast and open conversations on WFNU 94.1 Frogtown Community Radio. I got to tell you, this is, uh, this is pretty nerve-wracking, and if anyone ever said I was a natural in public speaking, y'all, I got to tell you, you're going to change your mind right now because I am nervous. At any rate, I am so excited to join the WFNU family to kick off our season two of interviews and conversations. So I got to welcome all of my Minnesota listeners and obviously those across the United States who have supported and helped elevate the small business voices who we talked with last season about their journey and, of course, the hot topic of procurement. So before I get carried away talking about the podcast, let me share a little something about myself for those who are tuning in for the first time and wondering who is this person talking to us at noon. So again, my name is Lynn Pingle. I lead Mackey Company, a strategic consulting company here in St. Paul. I started out in the construction and development business, doing commercial, retail, medical, and high-density projects in Europe and in Asia. And then I found my second passion in entrepreneurship and uh, created an ecosystem of incubators, accelerators, business resource centers, and industry-specific topics. Um, launched about 1,500 businesses internationally, and then I uh, came to the state of Minnesota. How did I get here? Well, I opened the Small Business Resource Center for the Minnesota Department of Transportation and since then assisted over 200 minority and women-owned businesses to achieve about $42 million in contracts. So I'm pretty proud of the work that my team and I have done, but there is definitely more for us to do. So enough about me. I got to tell you, I've got a partner in crime here in the studio, so I want to introduce my co-host and the technician of our show, Jared Peterson. Jared, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Lynn? I am awesome. Awesome. All right. The platform's yours, Mr. Techie. Let's talk. All right. Well, we're looking at this podcast and how we've come to this point. We appreciate how, how much effort's gone into it. We are looking at how procurement. We're looking at how we can uh, elevate small business voices uh, all the way around. I'm taking this eight-minute section here. Is that what I'm doing? No, you're not. You're not. supposed to be talking about you. I'm talking about me. Yes, I don't like talking you gotta about talk, me. you got to talk about you, Jerry, because really like people don't me. know who you are behind the tech desk. Okay. All well, right. sitting behind the tech desk is kind <laughs> of a fun situation. So uh, where do I come from? Uh, well, I started a, a, my for-profit company called Straightforward LLC. We're a technology orchestrator. We take business problems. Problems. We organize them and, and deliver uh, from multi-vendors, uh, multiple vendors, solutions that really help and elevate the business business unit. What we decided to do was focus in on where we were had a lead in, and that is using uh, some of our uh, certifications as a small and disadvantaged business. Uh, we thought we could make this easy. This is an easy way for us to get in. Uh, Little did we know, it's echoed all the way across all these podcasts, is uh, is that what we think is easy doesn't always end up being all that easy. And all. so uh, Lynn and I have worked on several several initiatives in our, over the years, and um, uh, we're looking forward to seeing how we can elevate the voices in, in general about how to do small business contracting. So, you know, what I usually describe Jared's uh, line of work is he is the general contractor of IT. He's your go-to when there's something you need. Just think technology. And I always think, you know, I've, I've got to call Jared because uh, while I claim to know I'm technically savvy for people in my age group, I really am not. I just pretend to, to do it really well because I have Jared behind my back. And that's why he's controlling this complicated board that is sitting in front of me here. So with that said, let me switch gears here. Let's talk about um, this podcast and how procurement games and open conversations came about. You know, I've, I've been in this ecosystem in the state of Minnesota for a good four or five years now. And, you know, one of the things that entrepreneurs always come to me and said, you know, that's a really good idea. You should expand on that topic. You should talk about that. You should have your own radio show. And uh, I resisted. I resisted because, you know... It wasn't my jam and it wasn't my line of work. And people are like, but you speak so great. Yeah, well, you should see me sweating right now, y'all. It's crazy. At any rate, um, 
the concept came about because we really wanted to promote small minority women and disadvantaged businesses in the community. And we wanted to discuss, you know, what challenges are in the industry, right? Uh, just in the functionality of the industry itself, how can we successfully navigate these pathways and you know, recognize what the failures are and how do we move forward from those failures? Because that's really the most important thing when you sit here and think about how do I succeed as a small business? Then let's throw in the part that we are black and brown. And then let's add the gender factor. And then let's add the age factor. And then next thing you know, it's this complicated web of mystery. Um, and we're all trying to get that royal dollar, right? So that's really what the concept was about. And we wanted to provide a platform for our small businesses to really, hey, here's a chance for you to talk about your business, do some self-promoting, but also help the next person, help that next business that you never know share that same challenge that you've had, right? And that's kind of what our podcast, I won't even say evolved because that was what we intended to do it, right, Jared? It was just about making sure that our voices are heard and we unite in terms of how do we find the best solutions, right? I got to hand it over to Jared because the naming of this podcast has a story in itself. It was, it's pretty funny. I think it was, uh, we were dealing with a massive failure we thought we had a lead in. We were using uh, federal funds for a project. Uh, fell apart on us. Totally, uh, it, it hurts <laughs> when when you bid on a project. You think you have the 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 numbers, and for some strange odd reason, it falls apart. And it became what we discovered was the shenanigans, as I like to kind of say. It really became a game. It really was. We found out it was a procurement game. Uh, and so that kind of echoed over the, over and over again. We found that to be an interesting theme, uh, and that's where uh, the procurement games came about. At least the name came from, and it, it, it echoed into uh, each one of the podcasts that we kind of hear about it. So I'm going to do a, sh uh, uh, a disclaimer, so to speak, because it is a derivative from a movie. If you think about procurement games, what's that popular movie called? The Hunger Games. And Jared and I were chatting about this, and I said, you know, but we have to have a tagline. Because I believe the tagline for the Hunger Games movie was... May the odds be ever in your favor. And so the tagline for procurement games is, is the field ever leveled in our favor? Because if you think about it, guys, if you are in procurement, if you are in small business and you're doing private and public, what is the most common phrase that you hear? It is overused and abused. We're here to level the playing field. But is it though? Is it really leveled when the Field has been set when they've invited us to be the other team to play, and the darn goalpost kept moving. That, that We're not going to hit a touchdown, y'all. We're not going to hit it. So that's kind of what, what came about with procurement games, and it's not a platform to, to grape or it's not a platform to to you know just air it all out. It's really more about what what happened. Right. Like Jared said, Jared came to me with a story and I said, how do we figure this out? How can we, you know, address this issue from top to bottom, left and right and, and come to uh, a resolution so that you, Jared, can move forward? And what do you need to do so that you are ready the next time this happens? So let me flash back a little bit to our season one, because our season one uh, was pretty awesome. Right. It was pretty awesome. We had about 20 episodes and and then it got really, really crazy. And um, I have to admit, I had to put a, pa a pause on it because it was insane. So uh, let me share some of the guests that we had. We had co we covered all sorts of industries. We had construction entrepreneurs here, Foster Hackett with advanced design contracting, uh, Babette and Patrick Buckner with Moltron Builders and St. Paul based Trot Bins Construction, Tomiko Trot Bins. You know, all, all three of them in the construction industry, all three of them in the procurement and all three of them in this ecosystem of constantly fighting to see if they can get a piece of what is deemed to be 
the low-hanging fruit, right? And then we talk to other industries, you know, St. Paul-based SJC Body Love, Sabrina Jones. I love her. She talked about her product line and the struggle to get her products on the shelf. Then COVID hit. And now she's on the rise with her products in, I believe, Dayton's, and she's doing the holiday bazaars, and she's rocking and rolling and all these uh, incubator growths to truly elevate her business. Uh, talk to Erin Farrell and her amazing partners over at the coven who opened a co-working space for women entrepreneurs and it's just exploding with her own series and podcasts and her own uh, internal support system for entrepreneurs you know we also change the tune a little bit because you know it's not always about procurement right i talked to comfort dondo of pumalani who helps um women uh who've been in abusive situations and desaria galloway uh who assists returning citizens in our community so there's so much more that we talked about that it's not always about the topic of business right jared we talk about different types of situations on the podcast you know the other thing that i always look at right both sides of the fence it can't always be about small business because we know there are trailblazers that are championing on our behalf. They're paving to change the way and influence how our small minority women and uh, disadvantaged firms are intentionally, guys, intentionally and purposely helping the system, right? We talked to Ben Baggio, the director of the Minnesota Governor's Workforce Development. I invited Karen McCabe, who is the outreach director for McGough Construction. She is awesome. I mean, talk about someone who does support. She's super cool. She is way super cool. And she is front and center. And uh, if you are a woman entrepreneur in construction, and you have not connected with Karen at McGough, I got to tell you, call us because we will connect you. She is awesome. And um, Noel Nix, you know, the director of community initiatives with the city of St. Paul's mayor's office. Uh, We had an amazing conversation with Noel, who actually told us there's tons of seats that's been created for our small businesses and our community to partake in the city of St. Paul. And I don't know if our listeners are aware of that, but guess what? Here's a public broadcast. There are seats at the table. We always talk about not having that seat. The city of St. Paul has numerous councils available in which, you know, I welcome you, you know, to have that, that opportunity and stuff. Now, Jared, you were our very first episode. That I was. Yes, you were. Talking about... Imagine this technology, right? So what's the state of the union on that? Oh, we got a lot of things going on. It's been interesting. Uh, through our work with, uh, with you, Lynn, we've done a whole lot of work with uh, a few public agencies. Uh, we're finding a whole lot of stuff going on, which is uh, good things. We find uh, Metropolitan Council, they just put out a IS contract with a 25% floor for small and disadvantaged businesses. We're looking forward to being a part of that and uh, getting uh, our, our large businesses paired up with small businesses for that. We find that uh, there's millions of dollars headed to the state of Minnesota for broadband initiatives. Um, we are looking to uh, to ensure that we have small business participation in that. And so one of the ways we do that is through uh, banding, our, banding small businesses together so that they look much bigger. Uh, and I learned that process from, from chatting with Lynn a little bit. Uh, a whole lot, I should say. A little bit is a joke. A whole lot is what I would say. Um, and so when we put the small businesses together, we're saying, hey, let's get small businesses included in that, those dollars that are coming. Uh, not only that, we're looking at um, those disadvantaged areas uh, of the state. The, that money is slated for areas that are dark. They are normally in a situation where they are disadvantaged themselves. So how can we uh, uplift the, the boat for everybody involved at this technology industry? really funnels money back into helping the areas that are underserved and unserved. So we're doing a whole lot on that uh, on that front. Uh, we c- created a, a cooperative called Our Tech Co-op in order to be the, the lead agency and in, in putting that wedge in the in the, the, the stump and uh, in the in the log and, and, and then we're whacking it. So we're, we're doing a lot of work. I love it. I love it. So just to put this in perspective, when we talk about broadband in the state of Minnesota, what is the dollar figure that was allotted to that? Well, the feds gave $100 million to each state. And then based upon the broadband condition within the state, they slated an extra set of dollars. 
Not only that, the state of Minnesota has its own funding available to for this initiative called the Border to Border Broadband Grant Program. So last year, uh, there was $95 million that the state gave out for broad or is giving out. They haven't awarded yet. We're waiting for the awards to come out. But $95 million that was slated for that. $100 million is coming from the feds. And then it sounds like there's another $652 million because of the 552. So it's, I was adding the, the two together as total. So $552 million to the state of Minnesota on top because of how bad the, the broadband situation is right currently in Minnesota. So that means $652 million. There's probably another $100 million from the state's general fund as well in there. So you're looking at $752 total for broadband in the next, uh, next couple of fiscal years. So... There's a lot of money uh, in that in that process, and what we found also is we were a little bit disheartened that there was no language in any of that for any kind of solution that included a small or a disadvantaged business. In that, it was straight up: how do we get a large business to do this work? And we're going to shift that to the next uh, couple of segments down the line because that is exactly one of the challenges that we have in in, in procurement, right? So we're we're going to do a deep dive on that one. You know. There's an infrastructure bill that came down. You know, Minnesota is going to get some 6.8 in change uh, in the infrastructure bill. And then we've got ARPA, the American Rescue Plan, that's feeding us dollars. And again, this broadband initiatives, right? This broadband initiative is insane, guys. Minnesota is a huge state. I'm sure you all know that. And there are pockets that are awesome with fiber optics and such. Uh, But unfortunately, I think we were talking about this, Jared, even in the city of Minneapolis, which is thriving and at the heart of everything and hustle and bustle businesses, there's pockets in there that are dead zones. I don't know if that's really the right term, but they're like, your cell phone just disappears. Are they like in dial-up? Hey, welcome to AOL. Plug in. Sorry. Is AOL still around? I don't know. <laughs> yes, but not as a provider, mostly. They're mostly an online thing. And you can I think you, can you get your email still through AOL? Yeah, I'm not sure. You've got mail. Yeah, anyway. you've got mail. That's really what I meant to say, not yeah. AOL. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what we find in, as far as a... Dial-up. Yeah. That's what I meant Dial-up, yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems like it, for wireless, we're pretty well connected, but there are areas that are, are forgotten about broadband-wise. Um, you know, this is a 5G city. When the Super Bowl came through, Verizon then uh, put out their 5G. We're, we're pretty well connected wirelessly. But the broadband issue we're finding is that there's a lack of uh, competition in some areas. And so we find that I think there was an article uh, that came out last week or two weeks ago or whatever talking about how uh, some areas they charge the same whether you're getting the 100 meg connection that's available or the 10 meg connection that's only available Um, and so some of those areas are a lot of times we find that debate is on rural versus urban but we find that uh, really what it is is a monopoly problem that continues to disinvest in in areas that need the help. And I don't want to keep sitting on this broadband because we're going to continue. But one of the articles that came out, I'd say in the last week, particularly identified black and brown communities as having deficiencies. So that is what some of this dollars and cents could go to. And um, again, uh, uh, definitely a hot topic that, you know, maybe we can explore. So let me let me wrap up this segment by talking about where the podcast is today. So we kicked off in November of last year. We ended in May for our season one. We got picked up by iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Music, which is really, really pretty cool. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, pretty pretty norm for a, a podcaster to have in platforms, but to actually be picked up by one, pretty significant following. Let me say pretty one more time. Pretty significant following and downloads that we are proud of of our season one. Here we are launching our season two on WFNU. And we are kicking off this podcast with awesome guests, awesome trailblazers. And we're going to run this through live through about May. The latest and greatest thing that we're doing in season two is we're actually going to have a live call-in segment. So listen to me now. We are going to have a live call-in segment. We're going to kick off in December where it's a bit, a bit more casual, informal, less less uh, structured in our interview, where we get to hear your feedback and the comments that you have sent via email or posted on social media. And um, we're going to fire out a phone number so you can actually call in and talk to 
our guests from the previous week, talk to Jared, talk to myself, and let's have this conversation. And that's why we call it the Procurement Games Podcast and Open Conversations. Pretty stoked about that. And uh, we're really, really looking forward to kicking that off in December. And, you know, as the coming weeks kind of come along, we'll, we'll, we'll share a little bit more in terms of how you can call into the station and get, get that started. Okay, let me shift gears. You know, Jared and I have been talking about procurement and and this broadband thing, and and he kind of alluded a little bit on the challenges, but let's level set Jared with our listeners and explain exactly what procurement is, because that's that's really going to help, right? I won't pull out the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Is that still around too, or are we just Googling definitions? still around. Okay, that one's still around too? Okay, good. They keep adding new words. (laughs) Okay. No, I think that's Urban Dictionary, not not Merriam. (laughs) <laughs> Those ones are crowdsourced. Uh, Merriam-Webster verifies their words, but oh, anyway. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so at its core, I'm not pulling out the Merriam-Webster here. Procurement is the purchase of goods and services. That's it. That's it, right? It can happen between two people. It can happen between companies, but uh, and it can happen in the private and the public sector. That that that's what procurement is, and it includes all the industries. I'll be I'll be surprised if there wasn't an industry that doesn't do procurement in any way, shape, or form. Procurement is something with a structure. Well, yeah, it is. They they put the regulations in. That's why it became procurement. But the actual buying of goods and services is procuring. You're, you're getting something for someone or from a company or ordering nowadays, right? Because that's that's the way to shop. And, and, and that's what it is. So it includes technology, construction, professional services, architects, lawyers, um, windows, doors. I mean, just think of anything, your food supplies, right? Lotions and, and things like that. This is all part of what you can do in procurement. Now, Jared's going to give me a couple of examples because, you know, he's he's what we... He, he's, he uses this phrase, uh, humanizing, right? Humanize this crazy thing in technology. And it's kind of funny. He's a technology guy. He got to humanize stuff. What's, what's some examples of procurement, Jared? Well, goods could be like paper, sprockets. I don't know how many sprockets people purchase these days. Uh, motors, glue. <laughs> uh, you, basically, anything on the shelf at a Target is, is, is a good um, you know, any, most of the times anything you can get delivered to you from Amazon is normally a good. Um, there are d- different types of services, though, professional services or technical services. Um, you can hire a plumber, a framer, a tile setter, a database administrator, a programmer. And then there are straight up services that are like a trash hauling or Internet or phone or anything of the like where it's a constant uh, billable that constantly is uh, providing you something. And then there's even some confusion about how things work because there's in the, the, the world of procurement, they set up rules. Uh, and the bigger the organization, the more rules there are about how we <laughs> procure things. And so then there's some confusion that can happen inside of that industry if you're trying to sell to maybe to a large or- enterprise. One of those areas I was thinking of was in the area of Microsoft, so just licenses, right? <laughs> sometimes those can be purchased as a good, depending on the method and the, the way that happens. And sometimes they're purchased as a service. Um, so then how do you set yourself up to win in supplying those types of services as well? But those are the different types of examples between uh, goods and services that are purchased. Got it. So our listeners are going to be like, well, that seems easy enough. You just buy stuff and it's called procurement, right? So why have a podcast over it? Is it really worth having a an hour of your time from noon to one every Tuesday from henceforth to talk about this, right? So I'm going to do a resounding yes, right? It's going to be a resounding yes. Why? I got to tell you, Keith Baker, he's the executive director of Reconnect Rondo. He's been in the ecosystem with MnDOT 20 years. I'm, I'm not going to give you his resume. He's a good colleague of mine. And he is notorious for always talking about the systems, processes, resources, and tools, and how we, as small businesses, even big businesses, really, need to understand them. So I quote him quite a bit when he talks about this, because I sit here and go, you know, I've been in procurement for a lot of years, and I hate to tell you, I am dangerously close to understanding these systems, processes, resources, and tools, and it is scary. It is scary. The policies and how it is written, the processes and how they are designed, interpreted, and implemented. Let me repeat that one. The processes and how they are designed, interpreted, and implemented. 
the resources and tools being provided to those who must carry these out. I have to tell you, I feel for them. I've sat in their room and they have racked their brains trying to help this ecosystem. But sometimes that interpretation and the way that it's being implemented stalls or stymies the most intelligent people in the room. And and, and that's, that's the hard part, right? That's the hard part. So let's talk about why this podcast is important and what the challenges are of procurement, Jared. Challenges. There are lots of them. They're numerous. Um, well, let's not list all of them. We really? Have a, we have more episodes to talk about. Well, you know, if we only got that much time, there's lots of them. But anyway, uh, when we're dealing with uh, uh, goals within an organization, uh, goals are a funny misnomer because uh, it depends. It only is the goal is only as good as the people who are trying to meet it, right? So whether the suppliers are trying to meet it or the the buyer is trying to meet it, sometimes they're just not even there. And uh, the aspirational goals are just uh, sometimes they, we would like to meet that. But are we actually going to meet that? Those are a, a big, big, huge question. So really, that's like me saying, I would like to lose 20 pounds. Now, it's going to take some work to do that, right? Because there's, unless the technology has advanced and given a miracle pill, I want, I want in on that. But we all know losing 20 pounds is going to take some work. Mm-hmm. Right, you got a meal plan. Yuck, meal prep. Got to get hit the gym or at least keep it moving. And we all got to buy Fitbit again. A plug, sorry, a Fitbit to monitor how many miles and steps we do, and so on and so forth. And we got to download a million apps because I got to lose this twenty pounds. So if y'all got feedback on that, shoot it your girl's way because I, I I need to confirm, reaffirm my aspirational weight goal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you're ta- you're telling me that procurement has aspirational goals. They have aspirational goals, and then they have hard goals. Oh, what's so hard goals? It's an interesting one. So um, those are our floors, uh, as I've been reframed a couple of times by people. So a, a general floor here, um, like what we're dealing with at the uh, at the Met Council right now. They have a, a, not an, I said aspirational goal of twenty five percent, and I got reframed. They said no, that is a floor. Twenty five percent of their thirty five million dollar budget headed out to small and disadvantaged businesses through their MCUB program, which means that they will hit that $8 million is what they said a year. That's the difference between an aspirational goal where they're saying, we'd like to try and hit that 25%, like to try and hit $8 million, versus we will hit that. Otherwise, we'll, uh, we, we'll realign ourselves around that 25%. And, you know, we got to give kudos to Met Council for actually being one of the agencies to set that 25% particularly in the IT realm, because the IT realm is the most often forgotten in participation for minorities and women-owned technology firms. So again, industry challenge will sidebar to that. What else do we have? We have spend dollars. The way an organization spends their dollars, where they're committed to spending those dollars. Um, We see private and public sector do it differently. A little bit easier in the private sector sometimes, depending on the organization's commitment. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit easier in the public sector. It also depends on the commitment of the organization. Um, those issues are ones that come up over and over again. So I got I got to comment on that, right? Because we have these Fortune 1000. I'm going to be that broad. I'm going to go Fortune 1000. Is there a list? Fortune. I think it's just I'm, 500, right? Well, there's there's a Fortune 1000. 1000. Okay, good. Yeah. So I'm going to go Fortune 1000 who sit here and claim, I'm going to get nailed for this, I already know, but feel free to comment. Fortune 1000 companies that says, we want to raise the bar. Yeah. WFNU is a volunteer-run station (laughs) made up of many different community voices. Each program expresses one aspect of this diversity and not the view of WFNU or FTI as a whole. Thank you for that disclaimer. I truly appreciate that. Yeah, it it really did. Because I'm about to get on my soapbox. You all listening? All right. 1,000, Fortune 1,000 companies coming into the frame and says, we want to increase the participation of our minority, small women, diversified businesses, right? We want to increase participation by 25%. Right. My first question, how much did you spend last year? Because if you only spend $1,000, you're going to increase it 25% over the next three years. Sit down. 
All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. Feel free to comment. Jared, what's next? Good faith efforts are, are an interesting one. We can't talk about that. One. We can't talk about good faith efforts? That's a salty one. Oh, it's pretty salty. Yeah, um, that's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is uh, organizations will understand that they might find uh, some primes might find prime contractors, people who are meant to subcontract, find it difficult to find qualified, willing, and able firms in order to actually complete the work. So Ready, willing, and able. Please. Did I say that? Ready, I willing, misspoke. and able. Ready. Yes willing and able to complete the work and so what they do is they say hey as long as you do a good faith effort uh, we'll accept your your bid uh, as being a diverse uh, a qualified bid not a diverse bid but as a qualified bid um, as long as you've done a good faith effort to find those firms and there's a comma after those rules and regulations that says do your best to negotiate with small businesses for inclusivity is that happening in our ecosystem I don't think so some do better than others yeah I, I Yes, some do better than others. Let's let's go with that. Let's go go with some do better than others. I like that, Jared. I like that. That kind of gets me out of the hot seat a little bit (laughs) and and stuff. But I think for those of of you who do know who I am and and, uh, how I speak, y'all know I'm speaking real right now. So and maybe some of you are going, tell us how you really feel in. We just read the disclaimer. Oh, okay, good. We're good. Okay, good. That protects us all. All right. Other one that we talk about, RFP processes and challenging them. Do you all know there's a way to challenge RFPs? Now, let's not cross a stampede and object to every single RFP, folks. There is a process. That's another challenge in the ecosystem. I like to say we don't know what we don't know, so we don't ask what we don't know. But guess what, y'all? They don't know what they don't know either. And until somebody kind of calls it out and says, hey, did you know? Then they figure it out, right? Just just, just think about that for a second. Yeah, we, we, I hit the very end of where I was supposed to go or could have remedied that bit. That's where the procurement game's name came from was I found out, oh, at the, at the last bit of information was found fraud. Found council member was on the was an employee of the uh, of the uh, of the of our co- the company that we were going up against. Um, it wasn't until we went through the whole process that we were able to find that out. And then they were, they were also getting federal money, so then we had to uh, yeah. had to tell them about it. So uh, it it the process is there to to challenge these yeah. things. If and it's doing uh, yeah, well. and and Jared and I worked hard on the case. And again, I'm not an attorney, but I I play one on TV. Uh, and on the radio, apparently. Uh, and, um, and, and we combed. We combed and we found and we learned and we, we made statements. And yeah, that happened. That's an, another story. What else, Jared? <laughs> Directories. Everybody has one. And that means you need to update everybody's. And for small businesses, that's a man, that's a rub. Is that like a Yellow Pages? Wait, do we still have Yellow Pages? Did I just can get myself? Ye- you can still get Yellow Pages, but Yellow Pages are easier than Directories. <laughs> he said that that's on him i didn't say that there was no script for that one oh man yeah directories everybody has one you have to update it um it's not easy especially if you're doing sometimes it's easy if you've got the one customer that you're going after but if you're doing national sales say with paper goods for that matter right and you can deliver it anywhere in the country or if you're uh, selling technology and you can deliver that anywhere in the country there's millions of directories to be a part of um there's probably dozens of them to belong to within uh, the within the twin cities area for different agencies and different companies all who are trying to meet these requirements but everybody has a directory everybody wants their own everybody wants their own certification everybody wants their own alphabet suit um, and for small businesses, it can be a, a difficult thing to keep up. Well, and, and not all directories are bad directories. There are some awesome ones out there. But there's also the free directory, and then there's the ones that make you pay. I know the health industry is notorious for charging you a pretty penny to just be Sounds on like the directory. To me. Yeah, to be what I call dangling that, that hope, that sliver of a chance that somebody will open up that paid directory and call you and offer you an opportunity, right? So that's, again, not all directories are bad directories. Just, just you know, be knowledgeable about what you're getting into and have a purpose and a reason before you dive into it. We, we got a couple of more because I, I'm going to justify why this podcast is, is, is important. Well, we find that there's long-term contracts called IDIQs. Uh, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity type of contracts. Most of these do not... That's a win. That's if you a get one, one, that's a win. That's a win. And that's, um, that is where uh, 
I figured out a few years ago, I need to be focusing my time. Uh, working on small onesie, twosie type contracts where it's already been written for, I love the term misnomer, for, uh, open and fair competition for these ones. It's like when the onesie, twosies come out and it's, it's already been written by somebody, it feels like. I, you're, you'll get a procurement department who tells you straight up and down, it's not been written, it's open and fair competition. But uh, what it feels like oftentimes is that somebody's already been slated to win it. Uh, and so what we find is these IDIQs are great in, or if we're on the award side of that. <laughs> However, they've already been existing for a long, long time, and IDIQs are ways that uh, can block small disadvantaged part- participation uh, if they're not administered correctly. And that administration is, is, is the key. Again, I said it earlier, right? The processes, the implementation, how it's written, and everything else. It's all, all tied into that contracting and if, language. Right? And if you're not on them, you don't see those opportunities. That's right. And we all know it. If you've dealt with private, you've dealt with public. We all know, and this is going to lead right into the next one, everybody has a favorite. I just want to know when I can be somebody's favorite, Jared. Like, well, you're my favorite, Lynn. Oh, Jared. I'm doing the heart right now, just so you all know. I'm doing the heart because I'm his favorite. Only because I help him a lot. That's what it is. No, no. That's not the only reason. But anyway, uh, no. The primes and their favorites. Primes and favorites are, are fun. And, you know, even buyers and their favorites is something you can include in here. But it, 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 it stands to reason that I know I can get my project done with the, this person because I've done it before, right? So why would sure. I try and reinvent the wheel to uh, and spend all this time to try and reinvent it uh, when I know it can get done with these people? However, what we find in the contracting world is that the numbers just don't justify that type of a- operation because it's leaving a lot of people out of it who sh- could be included in it. Uh, and now we're, we could actually have better results by looking elsewhere in order to bring on new people uh, and new voices. And what we find in corporate worlds is that the most diverse teams, uh, where there's lots of people with lots of facets of, of contribution to the product are the ones that sell the most. Um, We find that over and over and over again. And so when uh, uh, people are trying to change their procurement systems, primes and their favorites, buyers and their favorites are things that can be an obstacle for small disadvantaged businesses. And we feel it and see it very often. When I think about that process. So again, guys, I I was a general contractor before. I've developed before. I've been in the ecosystem for highway heavy, and I've been in the ecosystem for commercial, doing medical, retail, you know, high density, multi-housing, right? And, I, you know, I, I explained this. I tell this story quite a bit. I've done the trades. You know, I've picked up a hammer. I've done project supervision. I've been in the trailer as a site supervisor. I've done contract management. I've been a project principal. I played subcontractor to the big guys, and then I played the big guy. For lack of a better term... I have screwed people as a general contractor. I will admit that. I know a lot, of, a lot of folks won't, but I have because I've had to play the financial game. But the government agencies, the private sector, they've also messed with me, right? So it, it, I don't want to say it goes both ways, but I've, I've, I've done it. I, I will admit I have done it. And the private sector and the public sector have done it too, right? Find me uh, a firm that has not delayed payment of any project, find me a firm or a supplier that has been paid on time within two weeks, seven days, 21 days, 30 days, net 45, net 60. Understand the financial ecosystem of contracting and when you actually get paid, right? There is effort in paying early. But if that invoice is questioned, it delays the process so you don't get paid. And for a small business, challenging. Very challenging. So having gone through the ranks from being a trader, a tradesperson, to manage a, managing a construction company, acquisitions, dispositions of organizations, I know how the game is played, right? So it's very difficult to not understand the plight of our small businesses in, in, in a lot of industries, right? And while I, I have a vast experience in, in, in construction, I play well in five other industries to know how th- those fields are set, right? It's hard not to be, um, for lack of a better term, a know-it-all when you've launched 1,500 businesses internationally and you've dabbled enough to know the strengths, weaknesses, the opportunities and threats to a small business, right? And so I don't say that to 
fluff my chest in any way, shape, or form. Snap your suspenders. Snap my suspenders. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it's really about what the power of knowledge, honestly, can be and how you can best position yourself, right? So I, I dove a little bit into a sp- one particular industry, the construction industry, even though there's, there, there's plenty, but there's other industries. What are Lots specific industry challenges, Jared, that you've seen, I know you're in tech, that the game of procurement explores? Because I, I want to sit in that industry for a minute. Well, we find that as a supplier of services that it is hard for a disadvantaged, a small and disadvantaged business to be deemed, I don't want to say worthy, I can't even think of the word right now, but being uh, fiscally uh, capable uh, capable of being able to perform some of the work needed for these large organizations. Uh, They're not, and you can understand that, right? I am a very large corporation. I have a lot of uh, organizational risk that I have to deal with. I can't deal with a small company who doesn't have the ability to meet my risk factors. Well, so that means you need to buy from a larger supplier, one who has that all in place. At that point, um, most of the suppliers have graduated from being a small and disadvantaged business. So you can see where the, the problem comes in where, hey, there is not really a built-in trajectory for that. Um, to hire small disadvantaged businesses into the technology supply industry. So it tends to be small disadvantaged businesses end up being uh, individual staff augmentation uh, companies, which is a healthy, robust industry um, that, that is available for lots of people to be involved in. At the same time, we realize there is a whole lot of issues that come in with that. Let me get dirty a minute. Let okay. me just get dirty with what you're trying to describe here. So if you happen to be, to our listeners out there, a disadvantaged business enterprise certified business, DBE, if you haven't heard of it, DBE, the federal certification requires you to not have 1.3, personal assets of 1.3 and and such. And there's a revenue cap, right? What Jared is essentially saying is in order for you to compete in the tech world, you're going to need more than 1.3 million. Right. And that is what I call a closed industry. A small business cannot engage in the big world of tech because if he was able to, he wouldn't be a disadvantaged business anymore. He's playing with the big boys. So it's you're either nothing or you're something in technology. And that's why we need to change that. Right. And we talk about language earlier, having language of inclusivity intentional and purposeful language that specifically says you must use, right? Met Council put 25% flat goal. You got to hit it or it's not going to happen, right? That's some intentional language, Met Council, and I commend you for putting that in IT. Yeah. It- but I need more, <laughs> right? I need more. I can appreciate the 25%. If you guys don't know, it's it's the latest and greatest in the movement forward for inclusivity at Met Council. And we're actually going to have um, Ashanti Payne, who sits as the assistant director of the EEO at Met Council here. And we'll, we'll chat a little bit about that. But that that's the challenge of just one industry in technology, right? L- let me let you finish, Jared. Yeah, it's... Um- it, it's great to see Met Council realize that there is an opportunity for direct contracting with small providers who who are in the staff og world, and then also allow for what's called a tier two, which hasn't traditionally been allowed in 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 technology. Um, it, it's allowed all the time in construction. We have a tier two whole market. That's a different situation, uh, but it's not one that is allowed in the uh, in in technology and we've we've figured out how to uh, it's one of the lowest entries to uh to getting into the technology industry for us as small disadvantaged businesses um and uh, met councils are uh, arranged for that other ones have i think met council is probably the one that has the most uh, intentional language behind it we see u of m has a great program around that um uh, as far as using the tier two market i'd love to talk to u of m also that would be kind of a cool conversation to see what their ecosystem is you know yeah yeah exactly so um but we see that uh, these types of situations end up in all kinds of 
of industries. We think of uh, um, uh, of in the medical industry. We yes. have a friend in the medical industry. Here's some of the shenanigans she has to deal with about uh, about supplying things to the medical industry. It's uh, it is an interesting uh, set of things that you're like oh, I can see some resemblances in the problems, but then there's some things that are just completely brand new that you'd That's never right. even seen before. Well, and you know that I was going to bring up the health industry. So if you guys are into health industry, you know, chime in on this conversation. Tell me your challenges. Let's talk about it because you know, as Jared alluded to, uh, there are several small businesses in the health industry that are struggling to be, to be suppliers. You know, and and we've got a huge project, uh, Rochester, uh, that's medical um, uh, destination medical center. Holy cow! Let me fumble with those words. Destination medical center, huge opportunity, right, for small minority women and um, disadvantaged businesses to really partake. And we got to figure out how we can impact that, right? We got to figure out how we can impact that because the industry itself is just like IT. It's closed. You either got it or you don't. And you got to jump through hoops to, to even get in there, right? So, yeah, I, I, I would love to get some feedback. And, again, guys, we, we, we could go on and on and on, but we only have an hour here, and we've got close to, you know, 10 minutes left uh, of the show. But, you know, if you're in an industry and, you again, you've got all these challenges and you want to share your story, you know, let us know. Reach out to us. Well, let's, let's talk about it and love to get you on the show, trying to figure out how we can really penetrate and how we can influence some of these decisions. So, like I said earlier, um, there's a reason. You know, some of you who know both Jared and I, some of you who don't know either of us, uh, you you had to have experienced something. You had to have related to all of these examples of uh, challenges of procurement. I, I kept it real, as real as I can. For those those who know me, these are issues that I champion. These are issues that I have conversations with, with the public and the private sector. Uh, I'm not here to be antagonistic. I'm here to help. And this is why, you know, we, we can't solve all of these in a season uh, or even two. But what we need to do is create a platform to elevate so that it, it can be heard. Sure. Have we said it a million times? Yes. This is a different platform where we come up with solutions of the how. Because the power of, of groups is phenomenal. The power of people, as you guys know, is, is phenomenal. And if we're all singing the same hum or humming the same song, maybe that's what I meant to say, Something's got to change, I would hope. That's the hope that I want them to dangle, that things are going to change. And we have the opportunity. They've opened the door for us uh, to allow us to influence the change, not to say you're going to change, right? There's so many facets related to small businesses, and we just feel that procurement is one important factor, right? And that's why we focus on procurement. Doesn't mean that we won't talk about anything else, right, Jared? Small businesses, successes and failures, and we learn from failures. We agree. Lots of failures. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. the other part of that is the the capacity building. So how how there's there's people who are also uh, uh, dovetailed into the industry to help help with the, your individual personal economies as a small business entrepreneur and your incubators and uh, business capacity builders who uh, help your business grow. So there's a whole lot of of opportunities there where you can find resources in order to help yourself, uh, your business grow. Absolutely. And it's, it's about connections. You know, small businesses, you guys know, can only go to so many networking events. You can only go to so many and meet so many people. Be on so many directories. And be on so many directories, Jared said. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, the reality is this, right? You have to be strategic. You have to be strategic with what you're trying to do in your networking and everything. And I'd like to say I've got some resources, you know, up my sleeve. And, you know, I have a dedicated group of businesses that call me and say, Lynn, uh, I need to bounce something off. This show is exactly that. Get on the show, comment on Tuesdays, give us, give us your feedback. And, and let's see if we can extend the resources that Mackie Company has, our tech co-op has, and others who have proceeded in our show. And let's make our own network. Everybody, we can have our own field and invite others to play. Think about that for a second, right? Let's create our own field. Make our own rules. The power of many is amazing. You guys know this. You guys know this. I got to talk about our trailblazers for a second, Jared. Because we're not saying that it's all one-sided and small businesses are, are challenged with that, right? We have trailblazers that, like I said earlier, are paving the way, right? And they come on the show. 
they come on the show once a month and they share what they're doing. And I can think of a handful of trailblazers. Like I said, Noel Nix from the city of St. Paul. Phenomenal dude, right? Phenomenal dude. Love him, right? Karen with McGuff, right? I mean, there's so I many. Think I said she was awesome already. Yeah, we did. We did say she was yeah. awesome already. That's why I just had to repeat it. Do yeah. we like Karen? We like Karen we a like lot. We like Karen a lot. We really do. Um, you know, there, there's so many trailblazers, and you're going to get a chance to hear them. They are making a difference. They are championing for us. And those are the ones that you really want to align. Now, please don't go out and align yourself with all of them, right? Be strategic. Can I say that one more time? Be strategic with who you align yourself with. Partner up and, and, and everything. You have to have, uh, it has to be a give and take relationship. It cannot be a take and take relationships, right? One of the things that I, I also like to say is this. We have to make sure that the intentional and purpose, we can make plans to do good and execute it, right? But we have to have a follow-up. We got to close the loop. Because there has to be this thing called capacity building. And capacity building in every industry is different. It's not just about business development, right? So the podcast is designed, right? Come up with solutions that make sense, united voices, and we are louder together, right? We can do more together than we can do ourselves. That's a Mackey Company motto, right? The other Mackey Company motto is, I dare you to say no. Because if we're providing the solutions to tell you how to help us and we're helping you create that pathway and we're closing the door so that you know how to work with us i don't know how you can say no right jared yes <laughs> i love that i love how i just <laughs> position him to go now what do i say okay so i i let, let me just recap here so we have we've chatted a lot right we chatted a lot uh we got the holidays coming up everyone's world is going to be topsy-turvy right so we're going to be here live as jared said on uh thursdays and then on tuesdays we're going to go live for the open conversations if we're not here we're going to actually spin some of our season one podcast and let the world know about the other entrepreneurs in the twin cities and the surrounding areas that have actually joined our our podcast and so if you have listened to any of this and you find yourself in it we want to hear from you sometimes we get a little bit uh, worried about sending up our uh, our questions because uh, sometimes we might end up in a situation where somebody might know what happened and we're trying to get in to that ecosystem and so send your emails to insights at procurementgames.us. And the idea there is that if you aren't able to call in, but you still want your question answered, uh, we'll read it out on the air. We'll try and answer it. We'll ask our trailblazer. We'll, we'll ask uh, our interviewers. We'll, we'll try and answer that question uh, for you uh, on the podcast. But uh, how you can you plug in? Well, every third week, there's a trailblazer on at noon on Thursdays. And then on Thursdays at noon, we'll be here with an interview uh, the rest of those weeks in a month. And then Tuesdays, uh, we'll be reading out those questions and making sure that, uh, uh, that we have an open conversation. You'll be able to dial in. We'll give you the phone number in, the, in another couple of days, uh, another couple of episodes, um, and email us as well at insights at procuringgames.us. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, whew, I think I calmed down. But you know me, I talk about a mile a minute. So allow me to thank you to our listeners uh, in, in, in Minnesota and again in the U.S. And we're really excited to have our home here at WFNU. And uh, remember to smash that like button and share your thoughts and comments with us on our social media platform. And don't forget to go after that low-hanging fruit. But always remember to look up at the rest of the tree filled with ripe opportunities. Until next time. Lynn and Jared out.